Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be episode number 231. It's another on-location podcast from Sonora, Mexico. I actually just got back last night uh, from our guided hunts down in Sonora, Mexico, and uh, Dark Holborn, my partner, Hunter Haynes, Seth Maskey, and myself uh, have a great uh, discussion down there after a couple days of, of our second hunt. Uh, we had some awesome bucks that were harvested, uh, not only on our fully guided uh, ranches, uh, on our do-it-yourself ranches as well. And uh, the biggest buck of the uh, season so far is a 141-inch buck shot by Daniel Franco. Uh, his business partner with Burnt Timber Outfitters, Mike Hancock, shot a 121-inch buck. They also had a 116-inch buck and a handful of bucks between 100 and 110. Uh, the best buck on our second trip, on our guided trip, was a 115 buck. Uh, Craig Dunlap shot a real nice uh, framed 3x3 with a 7-inch extra eye guard. Uh, just a really neat buck. And uh, we had uh, Kelly Cox and his guys with iVideo Wildlife uh, group from Utah. Uh, they, they got a handful of good bucks and, uh, just bucks pictures are starting to, uh, come in from, from all the different leases that we've got down there. And Hunter Haynes and I were actually able to, uh, uh, stay for a couple days and look at a couple new ranches. And, um, uh, Hunter was able to shoot, uh, two, uh, great bucks in one day. He shot a uh, three by three with five and a half to six inch eye guards, bladed eye guards, big, nice three by three, typical buck. And then the night before I had glassed up a big, uh, four by four, what I thought was a four by four turned out to be a inline five by four. Uh, for those of you, uh, that count eye guards, it's actually a six by five, uh, inline. So inline five plus an eye guard, uh, on its right side, just a beautiful buck. And, uh, uh, Hunter's been wanting to crack that 120 inch mark and, um, he, he shot that big, uh, inline five and, and, uh, that buck, uh, should, should make that mark. And, uh, the other buck's a phenomenal buck as well. So overall, it's a great, uh, season down in Mexico. We're still waiting for a couple of groups to, uh, get back and, and see how they did. Uh, this episode is going to be kind of a round table, uh, discussion, uh, you're going to get to hear from Hunter Haynes and Seth Maskey, uh, who guide for us down in Mexico and, a real, uh, great story from Seth Maskey, a highway patrolman, uh, a couple of years ago was shot in the line of duty and he's going to tell us that story. It's, it's uh, pretty cool to hear him tell it. Uh, also guys, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank gohunt.com insider for their sponsorship and if you use the j scott promo code when signing up they'll give you a 50 dollars kuyu gift card keep in mind that the go hunt insider has released the arizona draw odds they're the most accurate odds and all of you guys that have signed up i've gotten a ton of feedback from you guys saying how much uh, you really like using those exact odds when trying to uh, put in for arizona uh, they've also got uh, the exact non-resident odds for New Mexico coming up uh, here. I believe New Mexico is going to be due in April. So lots of good things going on over at Go Hunt Insider. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. Also, Phonescope.com. Uh, Phonescope makes digiscoping adapters for your phone to any spotting scope or binocular. Use the JSCOT16 promo code and get 10% off on all products. 
real game calls. Use the promo code JSCOTT and get 20% off on all calls. You've heard uh, the real authentic uh, elk reel, uh, and they are currently about to release the turkey reel and the buck reel. Uh, so go on and check those out at realgamecalls.com. And of course, the Optics Authority, the Outdoorsman's, use the J. Scott promo code uh, and get 10% off on all uh, products there at the Outdoorsman's. You can also call them at 1-800-291-8065. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. I want to thank you guys for your support of this podcast. Uh, I really appreciate getting emails from you. If you'd like to send me an email uh, with comments, questions, or what have you, Uh, You can send that to jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Guys, I'm going to be at the Safari Club International uh, Convention coming up uh, this this week, uh, this coming week here in February. Uh, I will be at the convention on Thursday and Friday. Uh, If you plan on being at SCI, I'd love to meet up with you. Uh, You can either send me an email, uh, send me an instant message, direct message through Instagram at jscottoutdoors or a message on Facebook. I'd love to uh, shake your hand if you are a listener. And uh, we're going to do be doing some podcasts uh, from the Outdoorsman's booth uh, and um, be talking with uh, a lot of the industry people there and, and uh, whoever I come across. So uh, that should be fun. Also, for you listening, uh, I'm going to be at the National Wild Turkey Federation uh, convention in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, that's mid-February, and i uh, love to meet any of you guys out east that uh, uh, listen to my podcast. If you're going to be at NWTF, uh, make sure to get a hold of me and love to, love to uh, meet you, shake your hand, and uh, say hi. And it's a great, great convention. I uh, love going to NWTF. So, guys, let's get right to this podcast. It's gas. I feel bad for someone. Um, Darcy's plenty of uh, yellow cups on a table and knows not to drink those. <laughs> oh, by, my God. By any means. <laughs> I've drank pee before. It's bad. <laughs> Did you actually drink it? Yeah. Am I archery blind? Two years ago. Oh, 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 your own. Two okay. years ago. Yeah. Whoa. I've drank other people's spitters. <clears throat> That's I have I did that one That's time. That's real bad. I'll tell you the story after the Let's just say when you pee in your Gatorade bottle and you're sitting in your blind. It doesn't it's not doesn't taste oh, like lemon lime. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 and you forgot. <laughs> Would it make a difference whose it was? <laughs> no, yeah, but, you think, but you think if you had peed in the bottle you'd have remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled a bear girls. Oh man. Oh heck, that's pretty good. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. We are in location, on location, here in Sonora, Mexico. We are uh, having a heck of a time down here during the rut in January. I think today is the 18th of January, and uh, we started this second hunt down here in Sonora on the 15th, and planning on the 15th to the 23rd being our dates. And, um, you know, I think our weather overall, guys, has been pretty good about how we want it um you know uh the deer seem to be rutting around and uh before we get into that i want to introduce who we've got here at the uh we'll call it the square table actually the rectangle here we're in a ranch house 
Uh, it's about 7.30 uh, at night on the third night of the hunt. And uh, joined here by my partner, Dar Colburn, Colburn and Scott Outfitters. Uh, we've got our uh, faithful companions here, uh, other guides, Hunter Haynes. Uh, like I said in the last podcast, the young back and muscle behind the uh, Colburn and Scott team. By the way, ladies listening, I probably have about three <laughs> ladies that listen total. Uh, he is on the look. He is oh, uh, on the market. <laughs> and uh, it re- reminds me sometimes of uh, some of these bucks that we see chasing around the ridge looking for girls. So, Oh, Lord. Uh, look him up. Hunt <laughs> underscore Haynes on Instagram. Send him a message. He'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're also <laughs> his face is bright red right now. Um, so make sure three of you women that are listening that are single, make sure you're single. Uh, look him up. We are also joined here by Seth Maskey. Uh Seth is uh, became a friend of mine uh, back in 2012 when uh, Seth's dad Ernie had a sheep tag in uh, Unit 22 uh, Desert Bighorn Sheep. Met Seth and his his dad, Ernie, and, and met a lot of his family, and we've just been fast friends ever since. We've enjoyed some fishing adventures and uh, some uh, other hunts, some sheep hunts. And Seth came down here last year with us to Mexico, and I think you fell in love with it, huh, bud? I did. It's an incredible experience. Yeah, yeah. It's He's a big buck spotting sucker. I know. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, that he is. A quick story from last year. Um, we were hunting a ranch. It was uh, the same group, the same team. It was uh, Hunter and Seth and Dar and I. And I believe, Dar, you and I were off somewhere hunting on one part of the ranch. And yeah. Hunter and Seth were, were teamed up. And we kind of... We each take a hunter and kind of go off and kind of work in teams. And these guys... You could hear him on the radio talking about a big buck and this, that, and the other. And forget all the details. Maybe the buck was rutting so hard. I think I remember he was just running around that he he came running up the ridge to you, Hunter. You had one of the hunters, and he, like, came up, and you guys couldn't get a shot, and he took off running back down, and Seth was watching him. It was a Western deal. Well, there was originally, yeah, the original buck that, that was spotted up there that we were trying to work him in on was a big buck. Yeah, and uh, was that the big to, typical? That was the typical that demon yeah. killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, trying to get him worked in on that buck, and that buck was running all the does, and and pretty soon he kind of stopped and bird dogged a, a bunch of oil trees, and that other buck came out and absolutely hammered him, knocked him over, rolled him, and and that's when I got on the radio and told Hunter, uh, "Need to get up there. We've got to." Yeah, he calls me, and <laughs> I'm like, "Where do I need to go?" You know, bring a hunter over there, and I get up to the ridge, and I'm looking right. Like Seth, and all of a sudden this big old deer comes out. I'm like Seth, that's a giant. That's not no big deer. You know, that's an absolute giant. Didn't he come in close? Like and he, he was, was running up the ridge. Oh, you know, so we had him on the other canyon, and there were some other little bucks. And uh, I just remember the deer were probably only 300 yards from him, little canyon, and he just trying to plow a little box, you know. And he ended up coming about 40 yards from us, and I'm trying to get my hunter to shoot him, you know, western style. And, deer kind of ventured off never got a shot but yeah they were rutting hard he found the honey hole you got to put a scope on them they were moving so fast i couldn't even i couldn't even take my 15s so he knocked the other buck flat over nailed him nailed it and and the end of the story uh, when we ended up killing both of the buck um shot that big buck first obviously and put him down and then and then looking in the same area to make sure he was down and saw 
what we kind of assumed was him up with a broken back um, moving, and we knew there was a good shot made on him. Um, anyhow, got to looking, and it was that that first big buck, which ended yeah. up being 113. Well, then walking out, remember, I found another deer that yeah. he probably could have killed. I mean, it was Yeah, he only, was a Goran machine. Yeah. That buck was knocking bucks over. Yeah, and, yeah, and didn't, didn't the, the second buck, wasn't he limping really bad? He was. He, he was hurt bad. Yeah, he was and hurt from, real you bad. think, probably from that other buck beating him up? Probably from that yeah. day he rolled him. Yeah. I mean, he hit him hard. Yeah, so these uh, deer, you know, on the hoof, you know, they're 110 pounds, you know, give or take. Some are, some are smaller, some are a little bit bigger. Um, but they're vicious little suckers for sure. And um, we've been having a good time down here. We've got a great group of guys. We've got two deer uh, shot and harvested. One of our hunters, uh, uh, Richard, just uh, successfully completed his deer slam, shot his fifth deer. Um, so that must be... Oh, is that the Sitka blacktail, a mule deer, a coos deer, um, eastern whitetail, eastern, eastern whitetail, Texas? Or am I wrong? I don't know. We'll have to ask him. Is it? I mean, I don't know if he's Columbia. maybe there's a coastal blacktail too. Yeah, I don't. Oh, know. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, I think it's his fifth uh, fifth deer. He said it completed the deer slam, so he was excited. Um, and then Jason, uh, epic outdoors. Uh, gave a hunt away they actually after last season uh, adam bronson and and um jason carter called and said they wanted to book a hunt and uh they paid full price for the hunt and and uh, booked that slot and they just launched their magazine uh and uh, application service on oh uh, i think december 1st and the first magazine came out what have you but they did a drawing for anybody that uh was going to apply for their application service or a continued customer. Well, uh, Jason is the Epic Outdoors winner, but we kind of have a funny story with this, and then I'll stop talking. Uh, the first guy that they called was uh, from West Virginia, and I had a great conversation with him, and he asked a lot of questions about the hunt. And uh, it turned out it, that uh, he had other things going, and, and uh, it was pretty short notice. And uh, so I called Dar. I said, uh, you're not going to believe it, but I think the first guy that won the hunt just turned it down. And sure enough, Adam said that the guy had, had, had couldn't come. And then the second guy they called actually had a dove hunt in Argentina. So um, Jason uh, gets the call, number three in line, and um, he, he uh, turns out to be the hunt winner and sh shoots a nice buck. And uh, Seth and... Hunter did a great job uh, getting him on that deer, and, and uh, he's a real nice kind of dark antler, good eye guards, wide, nice, pretty-looking, typical whitetail buck. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's gorgeous buck. Real yeah. green bases from rubbing on the Ocotillos. Yep. Real pretty. Yeah, just a pretty, pretty buck. And yeah. was he rutting around with does? When ah, he he's rutting real yeah. good. He when you found his does, and there he would be, you know, yeah. rutting over one side to the next, and then Seth climbed up a mountain and, obviously we just close the deal how we always do you know yeah. teamwork triangulate yep yeah. exactly just surround them and we eventually took the does. he actually took the does from a decent buck that, that we had seen the day yeah. before um, cool looking deer huh yeah neat deer talk a little bit out. guys about um that day and and that deer in particular if i remember right you guys kind of saw him early and kind of watched him all day and he seemed like he was up and down and talk about these deer when they're rutting um you know their their typical pattern and what you noticed uh, the deer doing 
uh, throughout the day until he got shot. Well, I think uh, I think first off during the rut, a typical pattern is kind of a uh, a fallacy. Yeah, <laughs> because they 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 uh, they don't act like they do any other time of the year. Their home range goes from small to to nomadic like bighorn sheep. And like Dar says, I can't wait till they get stupid. <laughs> yeah, they do, they yeah. do, but they just uh, but they travel so doggone much. And uh, Hunter actually picked that buck up um, up in the same location where he found that uh, that real gnarly, actually a big two point, but uh, real gnarly up in there. He picked him up in that canyon running does and and uh, didn't stay up there very long. And they they like to go high and they like to go fast. And he he traveled and pushed that doe up there. They did bed for a little bit. Yeah, they bed and then you know you're like we'll go make a move. And then five minutes later he sees his doe or there think- they are off on you know off on their way i think what happened is you embedded on that hillside with another little buck and the doe i don't think that little buck was much of a threat yeah. to him and then pretty soon a, a a pretty good real wide buck with a kind of a drop time on it came over the top yeah. and, and got right in the midst of them and and they uh kind of stirred they, the hornet's nest yeah they? yeah they faced off for a while and and uh, both started running that doe and pretty soon that bigger buck just hooked her and took her up and over the top out of out of harm's way it's yep. funny though listening listening to you guys on the radio, you know, I'm over there just dead as can be, nothing going on, and it's <laughs> <I know>. like <laughs> we got deer it's up like all over. There's, over there. I mean, all day up and down. Drop tines. And it just shows <laughs> you, you know. Yeah. I think the hot area or a hot dough or hot two, dough. And, you know, yeah. that area was just on kind of on right over yeah. there. I know after two days of that, my hunter looks over at me, and it'd been him and I the first <laughs> two days, and he's like. What are Hunter and Seth doing tomorrow? Like he was ready to cash me in quick for uh, for these two guys. Um, guys, it's uh, been been another great year. You know, um, we had our first trip down here, and quite honestly, had, had Seth, you weren't able to make it, but we had kind of a tough hunt, um, kind of between Christmas and New Year's, and didn't hardly have any rutting activity, which we didn't expect, and we talked about that in the first podcast. Um, but we've been really looking forward to this rut trip, and. Uh, you know, ironically, Dar, uh, this ranch, as well as the other ranch, they're two ranches that we hadn't hunted before. And we came down and scouted a bunch of ranches uh, in the spring uh, after the season last year. And that ranch and this ranch were two that we really thought uh, there was going to be some real high quality bucks. And, you know, obviously we've got two down now so far and, you know, one in the mid uh, upper 90s uh, and one, you know, just over 100. And, not seeing the quality that we're used to seeing on these uh, rut hunts. Um, and we've been talking about it. And then all of a sudden tonight, Seth glasses today, late in the afternoon, Seth glasses up, you know, the type of buck that, you know, we're all here for. Um, I think it, it just goes to show how sometimes how quick it can turn. Sure. But um just want to get the feeling overall of, of, you know, this low density ranch, Dar uh, Hunter came on the scouting trip. I mean, kind of a deserty type of place and lower density, but we really thought we would see some high quality bucks and there, you know, there's, there's four days left in the hunt. Um, so we, we might, and we might pull it out. Um, but just thoughts guys. Well, I, th- I think when you get the lower density, you really need to have the rut going yeah. to pull those bucks out from, from this ranch and other neighboring properties and that sort of thing. If if they're not moving around very much, it makes it tough. Yeah, I mean, movement's everything. And, I mean, the buck you saw tonight, Seth, was by himself. 
all by himself. Yeah, and, and he was traveling, and, traveling and, and looking. And Hunter saw another hundred inch type buck yeah. tonight by himself traveling. So, to me, that says it's pre rut, you know, or they'd be locked up with the doe. Um, yeah, or they've already bred and they're yeah. moving on to search for a new doe. You know, I I haven't seen real aggressive running, real aggressive running no. and chasing. I've seen, you know, nosing with does and kind of in and out. Um, and and you guys weigh in. I I haven't seen just you know super active where they're running three four hundred yards up and around all over the world and staying right on a doe's butt and even multiple bucks chasing. So I think we still have some of that in, in, in our future here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. The only buck I've seen really rotten hard is the one we shot. and You know. Which one, the, the first or the second one? Uh, Jason's the second. Yeah. I mean, he he was rotten good. Well, but he, I think she's just hot, you know. Yeah. Like me and Seth said, every day there was a new buck there. So, I mean, yeah. just a hot doe. You find, you find a hot doe, though, and you can do some damage i wonder too like on a lower density ranch if if the does don't cycle all the same because there's you know they got to travel so much to find does whereas if you had a bunch of does all together will they cycle more at the same time because there's you know more service them i mean yeah i mean i I think on low density places too you could potentially get more bucks traveling whereas in a high density place they don't have to travel Right. near as far and you know you may have a group of does you may have eight ten bucks around it where on yeah. lower density i think they got to walk and and travel more to find and hopefully that buck you spotted today isn't you know here here today gone tomorrow hopefully he's going to be in that basin and maybe he'll find a few does i hope he finds a hot doe that we can you know keep our eyes on i, I do too if he'd had one tonight he'd have stayed right there and we'd have probably probably got him killed tonight but uh the good news is there was some deer around where he was, though. So, you know, and I think we've established that on this ranch. Yeah. That 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 big mountain range on the the north side of this ranch, or the east side of this ranch, is pretty much holding all the deer. And that, yeah. For whatever reason. Well, I think that's another good point, Seth. That you know, even down here in Mexico, contrary to popular belief, there are not deer around every tree. There are some ranches that have super high density. Even on the super high density places, deer are still pockety. Deer still have particular places, you know, country, you know, whether it be pastures or or, or places that they do, uh, you you know, once you kind of figure out a pattern that, you know, oh, they're kind of hanging in this country or that country. I mean, some years they're up in the oaks and the acorns and some years they're down in the ocotillos and, you know, part of it's kind of figuring out when you get to the ranch what's going on and, and what's happening. Yeah, and, and we've been to ranches, too, that seems like they like to rut in a particular area where you always know you can go to that spot and probably turn up a good buck. And look at that. Like, I mean, how many my dad killed his first big deer. Mm-hmm. You said, Hunter, you got to go to the rut hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Place darn I Where'd I go? Where'd we kill a giant? You yeah. just knew. I mean, you knew it was a place where you could go. and. That was the first time I met you. I think yeah. you were about 15. That's how we met. How old are you now? 25, going on 26. Ladies, he's 25, <laughs> going on 26. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's he's how we met. Gonna, he's going to get calls galore um, now. You actually, what, you were. He's I dodging think you, the question. <laughs> <laughs> you came in hunter for, what, a day, I think? And then you were on your way further south. No, I think that's the ranch Dar and I, we had hunted uh, previously. And then that's the same year that I think we were hunting somewhere down south. South. I it was Hermosillo. Yeah, it was. I knew you guys were going further yeah, down yeah. south, yeah. 
His, I wanted to show um, these guys kind of where um, things were. And I remember wheeling Hunter and his dad up there and, um, you know, just said, hey, we've seen good activity here. They seem to like to hang right above this water hole. And boom, you shot, uh, your dad shot like a 125. Oh, yeah. One of the best days ever. Yeah. Got to watch him tear up and kill his dream deer. So, yeah. I mean, special thanks that. to you and made a friendship out of the deal. So, yeah. And then you've been, uh, uh, running with us ever yeah, since. Now and, I'm here. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, I I can't I can't do this podcast without having Seth on here. And uh, um, Seth's got a pretty good story uh, for for the listeners out there. Seth is a highway patrolman and uh, actually was shot multiple times in the in in on duty. And uh, Seth, it's an incredible story. And I'd love for you to share it here. It's I've heard it so many times; it gives me chills every time I hear it. But it's it's awesome to hear it from you. I knew you were going to put me on the spot. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I uh, yeah I say I've guessed I've dished out my fair share of bullets on animals and stuff, so I would do to take one or two. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even go that far. <laughs> now everything happened for a reason. But uh, anyhow, yeah, you you said earlier that we met in 2012. I want to say it was 2011. Was it 11? Um, on my dad's sheep hunt and uh, in December, obviously. And so yeah, nine months after that uh, in September, or I'm sorry, yeah, September of 2012. Um, anyhow, just working up around the pacing area, normal patrol up there. I made a traffic stop on a on a vehicle. I was actually working with a, a young officer named Rob Durango at the time, and uh, he was on his first day solo. Just got off of field training and, and was working, so I... Uh, that, and that means for the listeners, the first day that he could be in his vehicle and and not have someone with him. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, so I was I was working close by him, just keeping an eye on him and and uh, and reading off some traffic stop to him. He had made a traffic stop about a mile up the road from me, and then I uh, I made a traffic stop on a on a white passenger car, just traveling 11 miles over the speed limit. So I uh, I pulled out with the intent to stopping him and just writing him a warning, and uh, just south of Pace, and I. I pulled the car over, and they stopped kind of blocking a uh, a public access roadway. What time of night? You know, 10.05. So it's dark as bl- black as coal. Pretty black. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty dark. But uh, anyhow, so he, he stopped to where he was blocking. Or, well, actually, he pulled into the emergency lane, but I was blocking the, the roadway, so I needed him to pull or move up. But uh, I made a passenger side approach on the vehicle and stood at the Stood at the window for a moment, and I could tell he was looking at the at the driver's side, probably waiting for me to come up, and and uh, just uh, just one subject and a dog in the car. I could tell that, but the windows were tinted, so couldn't really see what was going on in there. Anyhow, I uh, I illuminated my flashlight and and rapped on the window, and I saw the subject turn turn real quick and and started firing instantly. Uh, instantly knew he was shooting. The, the first shot went through the. First shot went through the windshield and shattered the windshield into my into my face and cut my eyes and and uh, my face up real bad and I knew he'd fired four rounds I don't know how but uh, maybe it's because all four of the four of them hit me I guess it was a good shot but <laughs> only, <laughs> only from about eighteen inches away but he he hit me all four of this sucker um, anyhow so I spun and went back to went back to my car I was blinded went back to the rear uh, rear tail out of my car to kind of get cover and concealment and reassess the situation i was able to pull one eye open and look and the subject was already leaving and uh, 
So I called it in on uh, called it in on the radio, let dispatch know what was happening, knowing that Rob was up the road about a mile, and he uh, he saw the vehicle, saw the vehicle pass him, pulled in behind him, and started started pursuit, and ended up being about a forty mile pursuit, and and uh, subject got out and shot at the officers at the end of the pursuit, and and then ultimately uh, took his own life at the end. But uh, anyhow, standing on the side of the road, I know I'd been hit and started looking and trying to figure out what had happened. But the worst damage to, was to my left arm. I looked down and, and knew I had an arterial arterial bleed. It was spraying, spraying like a garden hose. So my family and I would call it the sprinkler spot. I did a good impersonation of a sprinkler at that spot. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. But, Weren't you on the passenger side, and you said there was blood all the way on the driver's side because it was squirting out? Yeah, it squirted all the way. Uh, yeah, squirted all the way through the car, filled up the... You know, fill the passenger seat and floorboard and, and uh, you know, down the outside of the car. So um, at, at that time, I, I knew I'd taken one in the back, but I figured my vest had stopped that one. But those are the only two I knew had hit me. And uh, so I called it in. I waited for what I thought was several minutes. Um, you know, listening to the radio transmission and going back, it was actually only one minute. But uh, there was a there was a vehicle that pulled up, pulled up next to me uh, and... Uh, I kind of waved them over to help, and they and they left. But uh, did they? Do you think that they saw what ha- they saw you, or they just didn't know what was going on? They thought I'm, you were waving them by. That, that's what I believe. I they they could obviously see me, but the lights were going. Everything was, you know, yeah, discombobbled. And I'm sure they thought I was just waving them on to leave. So yeah. so they left. At that point, I realized I'm, you know, I'm not going to make it if I wait here. I was only about two miles from the from the hospital, so I got in the car and and drove to the hospital and walked in there and. And uh, got treatment and everything was good. <laughs> wow, wow, that's that. Uh, one question I would have for you is: Did you feel the pain? Like, did getting shot? I've always wondered. I mean, do you feel it, or is there adrenaline, or what's the what? What do you remember? You know, Jay, I I, I remember knowing. You know, I, I I felt the bullets hitting, and 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 come to find out, he he had hit me all four times. Um, I'd taken the one in the the left arm that severed the artery. I took one through my through my right thigh. And uh, one of my left lat that the vest stopped, and then the fourth round actually hit my spear magazine pouch and uh, fired one of my 40s out. But uh, you know, I felt the I felt the impact, kind of just a dull thud, like somebody hitting you with a fist. Um, didn't hurt that I remember. Um, I do remember standing at the side of my car and rocking back and forth. And I know, you know, in the job seeing people that are hurt real bad, they you know they tend to rock. It's I don't shot. know if it's a self comforting yeah. thing or. Or what it is, but I but I remember that, so I'm assuming it hurt at that point, but I don't remember that. Um, but at the point where I, you know, got to the patient hospital and and then people started attending to me and taking over, then then you kind of relax and, and let down your guard, knowing somebody else is in control, and then it started hurting. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah. I remember Dar and I actually um, were in uh, Unit Nine, and that was it was raining a bunch. We were there for that elk hunt, and I remember. We were in Dar's travel trailer. I don't remember the exact details. I just remember waking up that morning early, hearing about an officer shot out of out of northern Arizona. I'm trying to think if I heard it where I heard it on my newsfeed or something. And later that morning, I remember. I believe I called you. <laughs> you did. And said, "Hey, Seth, <laughs> I just heard about an officer that was shot. Uh, I'm hoping it's not you." And you're like. 
yeah, it was me. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck are you doing answering your phone, dude? I was laying in a bed with tubes and stuff coming out of me. What else was I going to do? And, of course, being said, you know, just sounded normal as can be. And, and uh, yeah, that was me. I'm like, good night. <laughs> Turn your phone off. <laughs> and uh, so that's, uh, you know, having the privilege to hear the 911 call. Uh, or, or I don't know if it was 911 or the dispatch or whatever. That was the dispatch um, call. Yeah. A, a dispatch when you're coming in basically using the code and whatever that officer's been shot and just calm voice. It's just it's knowing you and then hearing that just gives you chills because you can just hear how calm your voice is, how steady. And, I mean, you, you had to have some serious visual issues with the glass in your eyes i mean how was that i mean it, it was bad so i mean it you, was bad yeah you, you i mean fortunately it happened close enough to pacing that you could get that i mean you literally could have bled to death yeah, that was close yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was real close and, and a funny part of the story not that there's any part that is funny but if if there is a funny part, I've got to have humor in it. <laughs> I, I remember you saying, uh, you know, you'd called and 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 told the pace in the hospital you were coming, and like you got there so fast that it was like kind of dark, and you expected like people to be outside. Didn't you just walk right in the? Yeah, I pulled up to the pulled up to the actual ambulance bay, thinking that somebody would be waiting there, and there was nobody there. So I pulled forward to the to the ER entrance and and tried to get out of my car, and that's when I realized something was wrong with my leg. And uh, couldn't walk, so I, I stumbled, stumbled in the front door. And then there's another funny part of the story if you want to find humor in it. But, um, <laughs> so I walked through the, walked through the front, uh, yeah, entering to the ER there. And, and at that point, I couldn't, I couldn't stop the bleeding, couldn't hold it anymore. So I painted the wall as I went by and walked in. And, and there was a, a Hispanic family in there um, that had a daughter that was sick. They were camping, so they just brought her in to get checked and. And when I walked in, the woman screamed, and, and the receptionist looked up at me, and I just said, ma'am, I've been shot. And she said, oh, my gosh, have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> Patience finest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I'm sure it was got Western after oh, that, did. tearing your clothes it off. Did. And, it got Western, yeah. Well, we're glad to have you here. We had a great time with you last year, and we've had some great hunts, and we're glad to share it with you, and it's, uh, it's always fun. And, it, you know, I think – one thing, having that experience, uh, I, I, I'll bet you appreciate every day a little more than you used to. Not that you didn't before, but it, it certainly puts things in perspective. Oh, it really, really does, and, and uh, it really does. And, you know, you've got a religious background, as do I, and and uh, I darn sure felt him that night. I almost met him. Yeah. And, uh, and there's no sense rushing through life because that deal comes soon enough, so yeah. slow it down. Mm-hmm. That's good advice, good advice. And you yourself, um, moving on to another subject because I, I don't want to, I don't want to work that over too much. But uh, you're you like archery deer hunting uh, for coos deer. You you kind of have a, a, a niche and and you kind of like that. You enjoy that. I do, I do. I really enjoy it, and I live in a place where it's really, uh, um, it's really convenient to to hunt around Payson and and those places to do it uh, close to home. So I I get to spend a lot of time out there doing that and it, it's a different way of hunting them obviously um you know you can you can spot and stalk them too i i tend to do it out of tree stand and uh, have pretty good success at it you had said a couple days before we, you came down here i think the moon this year was full on the 12th and i think you said right there around the full moon on your cameras or or visually you were seeing 
a lot of movement deer really moving i did and, and prior to that i you know i was i was actually worried about it and we talked about that on the phone i i uh i didn't know if i'd missed it you know and i've got cameras out the whole time so i you know i've heard some people saying there was an early rut and, and i didn't see much sign of it but i did see a lot of scrapes scouting and uh, pretty soon the scrapes stopped getting hit and and things just shut down didn't look like anything was going to happen and then and then that full moon what five six days ago um yeah they turned on yeah well what what would you say advice to to give someone that's going to set up a tree stand up up in the the pines let's say hunting coos deer i mean what where would you even begin to you know um set one up you, you know it's funny because you know we talk down here how nomadic they go um they don't seem to do that quite as much up there they still seem to have kind of a smaller home range uh, they'll 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 move to where the does are at but basically concentrate on the does find the does uh, you know on a good wet year i i like to go out after every storm whether it be rain or snow you know and, and i try to do it at about the 48 hour mark that gives you know that gives the deer a couple days to travel and hit an area and i'll go out there and, and check for signs check for tracks and, and scrapes and and uh, you know obviously saddles are, are real good going through saddles uh, they, they tend to cross on a you know, either the left or right of the saddle, they don't seem to always go through the through the middle. They tend to go higher on one side or the other of them. So, so if you if you can find a good saddle that they're hitting and 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 sit up there for you know a couple different days or something, just go in there when you don't think the deer are going to be moving and check the wind and and figure out what the wind you know does in that saddle and then figure out what side to to possibly set up. It's like we were on. talking to though, ten to two is gold. And, and that's it's weird. My next question: What what time? It, I mean, so, you sitting so at weird. first light or? You know, I do, and I have for years, and 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 uh, you know, I used to I used to sit till like eleven or twelve, and and then get down, and I'd have a lot of activity, you know, around yeah. ten to eleven, and and man, I'd just get burned out, and I'd get down and and come out, and it and it's a patience game. I mean, sitting the trees down is an absolute patience, patience game, and uh, but yeah, it just it, I, ever, I get out of the stand at eleven o'clock. And I come back the next day to climb up in there, and I check the camera, and 30 minutes after I was gone, yeah. that buck came through. And Even August, crazy. though, I but mean, I've killed it, all my deer, ten to two, in is, August, blistering hot, and here they is. come. And, and and my brother-in-law, um, on a couple different occasions, he he didn't seem to be a real early riser, and we used to kind of crucify him for that, and say, why in the world? <laughs> it's nine o'clock, and you're just now heading out to the stand. He'd climb up in there at 10 o'clock. He'd call and say, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Dang brother-in-laws. Do you ever make, like, mock scrapes or rattle or grunt or anything like that? Or You know, I've tried it all. Yeah. I've tried it all. Um, you know that coos whitetail, they, they make a lot of scrapes, but I don't think they frequent them as, as often as, as maybe the eastern whitetail do. Um, they'll hit a ridge line and they'll they'll scrape and, and you know, it almost seems to me like a buck will make a scrape and then several other bucks will check that scrape and maybe refresh it, but not very often does the original buck come back through. Uh seems to be my experience. But uh but anywhere that there are the scrapes they're they're traveling those ridges. Traveling those ridges, those saddles and, and they're gonna hit it. Um, you know, as far as as far as, you know, mock scrapes and stuff now now in Arizona you cannot use uh, mm-hmm. you know, cervid urine. So you know, like they're starting to come out with some synthetics and stuff. I don't know if they work or if they're any good or not. But uh, um, rattling is—it can be productive. But you know, it—I've it, rattled and I've had bucks come in, and, and 
to be honest, I don't know if they came to the rattling or if they just happened to be coming at the time. You know, it just never really established a pattern. I never have. I never have. No. Well, guys, um, we've got a few more days left on this hunt. I know Seth's got to get back. Um, uh, had 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 a uh, fam family uh, a death in the family, and it's got to get back. And uh, we're sorry for that. We're gonna miss you. Um, sorry, I have travel to leave early. Safe. Yeah, and uh, maybe we can get the deal done tomorrow on that big buck. I know you can hunt till midday. And uh, when you saw this buck, I mean, what was like your impression immediately? What, what hit you? You know, we've looked at a lot of deer on this ranch. Uh, there are quite a few bucks, and and we've killed you know a couple right at the hundred mark. And we've, you know, we've looked at them and and taken our time and evaluated them and and tried to score them and made sure that the you know the hunters are going to be happy with them and and uh, which they are um, very happy with them but but this buck was you know i don't know the distance on him he was a half mile away or so when when i saw him but it, it was just it's just that instantaneous big just big <laughs> just a good just yeah. a good big no no weaknesses for sure just a big big buck that's great well the reports are kind of coming in i've been able to get a little bit of service uh here and there and uh we've got a a bunch of different guys hunting uh, different properties uh, the darn i have leased and um bucks are starting to hit the ground and good bucks we got some some other guys heading out here in the next few days and you know always this mid-january time frame for us cooster hunters it's a real special time and uh uh yeah it's just a great time i i guess i'll go around the table and uh we got to get up in the morning so we better conclude this and um you got any finishing thoughts we'll start with you dar start um, with me huh you got, any, you got anything to add well i'd just like to thank seth for your service too <laughs> well thank you yeah but uh i just hope we get to see this buck tomorrow i know that's what i hope yeah i think that'd be awesome that's what we all come down here for is to see a buck like that you know in thinking about that um it's probably a good a, a good thing to talk about from from a strategy standpoint seth you think that yellow knob if you could get to that one yellow knob um and maybe maybe put hunter up on the ridge where seth was and potentially dar are you thinking of going to that flat top ridge maybe i i think so i mean yeah try and circle the wagons a little bit in that country where the buck is and see if we can turn them up you know and the wind's supposed to pick up tonight and and uh, that won't be bad under these, under these circumstances because it may uh, it may hunker him down and, and keep him right in there mm -hmm. it's a great point it's a great point yeah we've got a little bit of weather coming we got wind blowing the storm in tomorrow and then kind of rain friday saturday um so we'll see how that shakes out uh but yeah we've got to drum up a couple more bucks here and um yeah seth you got any parting thoughts i don't think so i'm sure looking forward to tomorrow i think we're gonna <laughs> find him though Hunter. Like Dar said, thank you for your service, buddy, and Thanks, keep hammering and see if we can't stir him up tomorrow. Ladies, I'll give, Hunter, I'm at. I'll give, Hunter, <laughs> I'll give Hunter's cell phone number out in yeah. the podcast. Uh -huh. um, yeah, guys, it's awesome. I just uh, I love this time down here in Mexico. It uh, seems like the four of us have had some great adventures and I look mm -hmm. forward to, to many more. And, uh, yeah, let's get after them and just uh, – it's great to have a passion that we can enjoy, and and uh, these little deer or something, aren't they? I mean, they're just 
they're just special, really special. And it's it's nice to get to spend a little time together, even though it's four thirty in the morning and <laughs> eight at night. But yeah. it's fun to hang <laughs> yeah. out and talk and good times. Yep. We talk quite a bit throughout the day, but we're we're sometimes yeah. miles apart. Um, yeah. This morning was kind of a bust for us. Uh, Darp made a big hike up, and I forget the exact quote this morning, but Dar said something about putting all your eggs in one basket as I drug half the or ninety <laughs> percent of the crew <laughs> off, and and he said, "It's great unless it's a turd in your basket." <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we had. We had a had a little bit of a. Yeah, sometimes you got to swing for the fences. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I think that's like this this property, um, you know, high risk, high reward. Um, you know, maybe it'll pay off. And, you know, I think that we have branches that we can hunt year after year after year. And, you know, maybe sometimes we go to hunt new properties at, at a fault. But I think it's paid off a lot of times, too, when we tried to hit new properties and catch those fresh properties where you've got those older bucks and sure. um you know unless you have an owner that that really really is into conservation and and um you know wanting to harvest very few deer on the property um you know these properties down here like any others can get over hunted and i just think the lions hammer these yeah deer. i mean a lot of these most ranches don't don't run any lion mm-hmm. dogs at all and you know they they definitely hammer. We're in the you know we talked about that on the last podcast yeah. that you know a lot of predator control gets done in the states and I think that's why you know some of our units you can see a bunch of deer mm-hmm. definitely. So yeah. All right, guys. Well, that concludes the podcast, and uh, we're going to go to sleep. Thanks for listening. That's a wrap. Dar didn't Don't say adios this time. What? <laughs> Dar didn't say adios. Did I say adios? Don't drink the uh, water bottles with the uh, (laughs) yellow-looking substance in it. So I've been sitting in my ground blind August. It's opening day of... No, it wasn't opening day. It's the fifth day. I had sat... Wait, put the the headset back on for this. (laughs) (laughs) Put the headset back on. Yeah, do it, dude. What, are you going to sugarcoat it? It's funny. (laughs) So what? You were what? Sitting in your blind in August? How did we even get on this subject anyways? (laughs) Welcome back. Outtake. So there's some... There's some diesel fuel in a... In a water bottle here on the table that's... Yellow-orange colored. Depends how dehydrated you are. Yeah, well... And it it reminded me of a story a couple of years ago. Um, I had been archery coos deer hunting in August. You know, it's in the desert. It's hundred and I'm gonna say hundred and five out, and you're sitting in a tent with one or two windows open all day. And it was about my fifth day. Um, I had my urine bottle in there, which was a, <laughs> a Gatorade bottle. <laughs> With the little hole or the big hole? <laughs> oh, the big hole. Big hole. <laughs> <laughs> the wide mouth. Uh-huh. The wide mouth. Uh-huh. Sure. So, anyways, it was it was full. It was, uh, I want to say it was probably, I think it was about 11 o'clock. And I was just about to get a drink. I was really thirsty. And 
some deer came in, so I, I didn't, and and I had to pee too. <laughs> so anyway, some I was just about to pee. Some deer came in, some mule deer, and uh, so they they came and drank and moved off. And just about the time they were a, a safe distance away, I was you know getting ready to go to the bathroom. Here comes uh, some coos deer bucks in, and uh, they came and milled around. Anyways. They were there for probably 20 minutes while I ended up shooting one. And so as soon as I shot one, I was so thirsty. <laughs> and I was, you know, excited and what have you. I shoot the buck. He runs off. And I'm just so thirsty. So I grab my Gatorade, open the cap, take a big swig. Well, it wasn't Don't the Gatorade. Don't drink the pale ale, <laughs> Stifler. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man. Instantly uh, started throwing. Up oh then? yeah! Instantly threw up and was just Ooh. sick to my stomach. It was the protein grossest thing I've ever done. Didn't do that, didn't do that little clicking noise like the off on Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> I probably did. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is Dark Holburn. You can yeah. email him for. So yeah, so I, I get home and uh, I get home with you know buck and i walk in the door and my wife's there and she comes up to me and i'm like do not give me a kiss <laughs> <laughs> so she didn't but oh, man. yeah that's bad it was really bad have you ever found uh miscellaneous water bottles around i have seen your water bottles laying around jay yes <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thanks for listening <laughs>